0: Welcome to Make That Paper, the show where we talk about all the crazy jobs we do to make the cash we need to pursue our artistic dreams
1: and to single-handedly keep California's microbreweries in business. Touché. We're
0: here talking about the complaint department detail or the TGI Fridays affair, and let's not forget the old Carney craft. We are your hosts, Jamie Parker-Stickle.
1: And I'm Jason Bieber.
0: And on this episode, we are talking to a writer who has the unique ability to crawl into your subconscious and wreak havoc on your deepest fears. No, I am not talking about our son.
1: He's the author of I'm Not Even Supposed to Be Here Today <laughs> from Head Press and, man, fuck this house, Nunchuck City, and Jailbroke from Mutated Media.
0: And his comics and tales of horrorgasm are now being turned into a film.
1: I'm really glad we're talking to him the week of Halloween.
0: Beaver, you couldn't handle him any other week of the year. Please welcome to the show, the spooktacular Brian Asman. Yeah.
1: Woo!
2: Thank you, thank you, Jamie, Jason. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, Jesus.
0: Yeah, you could host this show.
2: Yeah, it's all yours, bro. Take it from here. (laughs) Hey, it's Brian in the morning with the morning zoo crew. shit, it's going
1: to be that show. It's going
0: to be that show.
1: Yeah.
0: We could do a Lost Connections up bit, I feel like.
1: Yeah. Should we do do like a War of the Roses?
0: Uh, Some War of the Roses. This is real morning (laughs) radio, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got morning radio
1: voice. Yeah. Um sure. we're, we're gonna go to our we're gonna go to our, our traffic copter in a second. Yeah. <laughs> Before we go to the
0: traffic copter, I just want to say that I've known Brian for almost four years now, and that blows my mind. And in the four years that I've known him, he's written more books than I have
2: in my entire life. <laughs> well, it's it's not it's not a competition. It's not a competition, uh, <laughs> but he, he has but, a full-time
0: yeah. job and yet. He puts out books every six months to a year, like it's ridiculous.
1: Is the secret? Are you just doing like automatic writing? Like you close your eyes and just let the pen do its thing? Or um, yeah, no, uh, it's more just cocaine. <laughs> cocaine, um, cocaine. <laughs> lots,
2: prefer. lots and lots prefer of blow. We've heard that before. Yeah. And uh, that. I, like, also, have you read my books? They're not good. They don't make any sense. They just ramble. Like
0: <laughs> he said that. I have read two. And I will say this, they're awesome. And plus I've read some short stories of Brian's, but he's lying. These are well-crafted books and he is um, hes spectacular at not needing an editor. He is an editor. I- I've just not ever seen a sentence crafted so well and be grammatically correct at the same time
2: without well, a he's
0: being edited.
2: Thank, well, thank you. But, uh, uh, you know, my stuff is edited. <laughs> um, so, uh, I, yeah. But my the editor that I used to do. We just assumed no one was editing it because
1: it's such garbage. I
2: just <laughs> Well, I mean, the stuff in like that you read in workshop at UCR was self edited, but yes. you know, all my, all my books, uh, Max Booth III, uh, who's your also a man. really great writer himself, and he just had a film come out uh, through IFC called We Need to Do Something. Um, so he's uh, he edits all my books.
0: That's amazing. And he's also your hype man. That's yeah, he's also my hype man. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Everyone yeah. needs a good hype man.
0: Everybody. Yeah.
2: That's yeah. Amazing. So I'm not a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not able just to kind of like, you know, write books without needing editing services as
1: well, but
0: sure. um, I'm yeah. glad to know that. I wish I could. I mean, I'm glad to know that because I'm like, shh, shh, I need an editor for everything. I'm
1: just glad we could bring you back down to earth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: All right. B- before we go any further Brian does have a current real job. Um, but before we talk about that one, I sort of want to talk about um, a couple of the things he told us you would talk about. <laughs> Jason goes, can I refer to him as a carney based on yes. some of this? And I was like, uh, I, yeah, yeah, if you don't, Let's talk about your carney service. Don't talk about your <laughs> carny days.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, I take that as a compliment, but my only thing is like if an actual carney is listening to this, they might be like, oh, that dude's a fucking poser. But yeah. uh <laughs> no, I used to I used to operate a carousel uh way back when. Uh this is back when I still lived in Virginia. I'm in San Diego now, but uh I worked and at the carousel
1: a, operators, I, by the way, are historically looked down upon
2: by the other carny folks. Uh, well,
0: especially, right. you know, the ones... <laughs> yes by the roller coaster folk they're like you've got shit to do
2: yeah oh yeah exactly like the tilt-a-whirl that requires actual maintenance the carousel just goes around and around and around right Mm -hmm. and it's it's pretty easy to rescue someone from a carousel versus like you know if you get stuck on a ferris wheel um you know that takes some doing no
1: ladders think about that no ladders
2: yeah. I, I Call, do. Call I, the I, Rock or something. That would make a great action movie, actually. You know, just uh, some you know, something with like a, a carousel that's been taken over by terrorists. Oh my god. <laughs> oh like no, they're actually, did, like, like robbers, they're there
1: to rob the carnival, but Didn't they're ha- disguised as terrorists.
0: But that happened in Shazam and it happened in the latest Spider-Man.
1: Those two. No, that's not the carousel. That that was no, the, that's uh, Ferris the, the Ferris wheel. Not the carousel. The carousel was uh in um, what's, the, what's the what's the tv terrible? show the, punisher. the, punisher, oh, TV the show. punisher oh the punisher
0: they yeah.
1: did do a carousel the, yeah but yeah. you know the, the, the carousel wasn't like out of control or anything there was just a sniper picking people off the carousel but let's, yeah which they stole from face off by the way true oh um, yep. that's right
0: did, okay so but your your carousel was probably stationary it was there all year and sniper
1: free
2: yeah it was well and, and actually it's kind of funny because face off was what actually got me into wanting to work at a carousel <laughs>
1: Thank goodness. But yeah, yeah. So was it was uh, it was
2: stationary. It was at this park that was near my house. And so, uh, yeah, I got a job uh, just working the carousel. And uh, it was a very intense, intense job. Um, every every time someone wanted to go on the carousel, I had to, like, walk over and flip a switch. Mm-hmm. And then after about three minutes of timing it, I had to, like, turn the switch off. Jesus. Uh, um, yeah, it was, it was brutal. I mean, talk about the salt mines, right? Um, <laughs> did,
0: you, did you, wait. Was this a job that provided benefits?
2: I mean, the benefits were working at a carousel. <laughs> so I got a lot of I got a lot of free carousel rides. <laughs> Did and you then, take uh, dates
0: for free carousel rides?
2: Oh, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have I'd have my friends up too because it was also in the woods. And uh oh you know, some some days we get like no clientele whatsoever. Because it's and in so, the middle like, of the
0: my, woods in Virginia. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So my friends would come up and we would just ride the carousel and like smoke weed and, you know, just ride around in a circle and like listen to like uh, like DMX and stuff because it was the late 90s.
0: Right. And this is R. where R. all of Brian's book ideas came from. It's all making sense now.
1: I really love the idea of being on a carousel and instead of hearing that like organ music, hearing DMX. X gonna give it to you. He gonna right. give it to you. X gonna give it to you. <laughs> but the carousel doesn't go any faster. You're still going on a slow, you know, so. circular up and down.
0: Oh, oh, I'm did gonna you make... make
1: you rotate slow. Up in here. <laughs>
2: up yeah. in here.
0: Yeah. Did that did were you able to adjust the speed on the carousel, or was it just one speed?
2: Uh, well we tried and that's when they started putting a lock on the engine compartment and uh, mm. they didn't give me the key so yeah
1: right.
2: so unfortunately we couldn't adjust the speed. Um, but the one exciting thing about working at the carousel was it uh ended up uh, allowing me to make my first film of my life.
1: Oh. Was, yeah yeah it inspired yeah. it or it allowed it.
2: Well, I, well, it was our it was the location where I filmed, so it uh, directly contributed to me being able to make the first film I ever made. But uh, yeah, it was a film called Carousel. Uh-huh. Um, and Go figure. Race mm-hmm. yourself for this, right? Okay. Race yourself. It's about a guy who's in his early twenties and he works at a carousel, what? right? And uh, you know, basically, his life is going nowhere. His yeah. life is going. I feel that in a circle, (laughs) like, like, like the animals on the carousel. Did you
0: win awards? Did you win any awards?
2: No, no, but I didn't get sued by Blink-182 for using their music their in the movies, and that was cool. Oh, my God. Um, I had no so, idea what fucking ASCAP was at the time. So, like, it's also not available anywhere but on a VHS tape in my closet. In your so. parents'
0: house. Um, It reminds me – I mean, it's it just – the metaphor of that is so great because in college, my first play – well, it wasn't my first play, but it was my first, like, serious play I wrote – and um, the theater department really liked it. And it was a short play and it was about a box of Captain Crunch cereal and the berry and the crunch, you know, they were fighting of who was going to get poured and killed and some, uh, drowned in a bowl of milk. And finally, the berry was like, I can't take this shit anymore and just jumped out of the box and committed suicide. So it was. Am-
2: <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> Can we stage this?
0: Yeah, they did. They did. My teacher liked it so much that he was like, he got some of the other actors in the department to put it on for me.
1: And I was like, wow. Oh, my God. (laughs) The costume budget was insane. That is awesome. They built a 40-foot-tall replica... Of a Captain Crunch box. I oh my God! Don't even awesome.
0: remember like where my head was. I was probably like starving when I wrote this, and it was due the next day. And all there was in the pantry was Captain Crunch cereal. and I was like,
1: "Now I well, also, let's
0: just write about
1: suicide." I also once wrote a Captain Crunch piece. This is no bullshit. I once wrote a Captain Crunch piece. It was about. It wasn't about suicide. It did end up in a divorce. Um, but yeah, Captain Crunch has been the crux of, uh, of one of my pieces as well. That's so,
0: so strange. Yeah. How have we not known this?
1: I, well, you know, I, I didn't consider it one of my great works.
0: I didn't consider it one of my great works, but I'll never forget how, like, moved the teacher of my playwriting class was. And I was like, well, should I tell him? Like, it wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> like, really fast. And I was, like, hungry. Like, I just couldn't. And he made such a big deal out of it. And he, Like, had other acting students like rehearse it and perform it. We went into the little oval playing stage, and I was like, wow, he's really taking my piece seriously. I guess I shouldn't say anything. I'm just like so worried that he'd find out I was a joke. You're a fraud. I'm a fraud.
1: That is a fraud. amazing. I'm a fraud. <laughs> I think if I was a teacher and I ever had any student half-ass something, the best punishment I could give them is this, is this? is just to like take it so seriously and, and just make them feel like they're half-assery is the best thing that's ever been done until the very, very end, and then turn on them and go, no, I'm not fucking serious. Do <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you think that's what he was doing?
0: Maybe that's what he was doing the whole time. Fuck you guys.
1: You goddamn stoners. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow, you guys. Suicide? Really, Stickle? Really? Esmond just
0: made me really bring up some dark stuff
2: that was dark <laughs> i mean no. there's darkness to be found everywhere right even right. in the box of cereal i mean cereal commercials themselves are like pretty fucked like what's what the fuck is up with the tricks rabbit i know i'm doing like an sorry bit right now but
0: but, it, but no but you're go ahead it, but it's true
2: it's just dark man it's like He's the one that's, cereal it's his, his kids you know yeah, Silly so. rabbit Twix are for kids. It's so exclusionary and like gross. Like oh. even as a kid, it made me fucking angry. I'm like, yeah. no, fuck these kids, fuck these little monsters. Mm-hmm. Let the rabbit have his have his tricks. Yeah,
1: it's bizarre. or Cookie Crisp glorifying robbery. Oh, that's yeah, right. No, okay. you you, you I mean, know that you're... was
2: actually a wizard originally, right? There was the Cookie Crisp wizard, and oh. then they like in the eighties, yeah. like I think because of the crack cocaine epidemic, they turned it turned him into like a robber.
0: Are you kidding wow. me? I'm gonna look that up.
2: I I no, it, literally it re- always it really remembered as the
0: record. Oh my god! I mean, we're well, all the same age. How yeah. do I not remember this?
2: I, I have no awareness oh, of this. It, well, it predates us. It was uh, it was in the 70s, I think, when the uh, when That's Cookie why. Crisp had a wizard.
0: Okay, I'm gonna go and, look it up.
2: I'm actually wondering, like, and I'm not joking when I say this. I'm wondering if, like, the the kind of 70s like D and D panic about, like kids offing themselves because like their elf like you know was eaten by orcs i wonder what? if that's why they got away from like you know using a wizard as a mascot that
0: was a thing people were doing in
2: the 70s It's a thing people were afraid of it's kind of like the it predated the satanic panic a little bit it was uh yeah everyone was well, panicking that D was satanic and you know and then we yada. got
0: the 80s and aids happened so our parents switched everything to aids
1: yeah. and that yep. was all of our fears were externalized
0: yep Yay! I remember when we, uh, AIDS.
2: when I was a kid, we went to Disney World, and my parents put a note on the stroller when we went on rides that just said "AIDS" on it, so <sighs> no one would steal it.
0: Wow! Oh my god! I need to meet
1: your parents. <laughs> <laughs> wow! It
2: was a, di- <laughs> it was a different time.
1: It was a different time. Oh my god! Well, oh. I, 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 I love this tangent. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of leaving strollers, uh, on rides, uh, and rides themselves. Did you actually ever have, you used, did you, did you ever rescue anybody on on Um, your carousel carousel days or did that go pretty smoothly
2: on the carousel? Okay. Yeah. Well, kind of. (laughs) So I would say, I would say I rescued a lot of people from the boring ass day that they were having in the woods, like looking at fucking like like crickets or whatever. Um, but then occasionally, yeah, we, we'd have like, you know, a kid freak out on the carousel and uh, I'd have to kind of spring into action and reach three feet and like
1: hit the switch to turn off the carousel. Ah, hero. Excuse us for a minute. Our sponsors have something they'd like to say to you.
0: That's enough of them. Now back to us. Did yeah. they used to have seat belts on the carousel? Because they do now. Like some of them have seat belts and the kids have to be strapped in.
2: Um, Same. this one, I think, I don't think it did
1: because this was like was, the yeah. 90s. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. let's face it. It's stupid now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you know, but that's not the only, um, sort of carny job Brian's done. No. Um, he also worked with, uh, animatronic dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the
1: hell? He was, uh, he, he worked at Jurassic Park. He worked at Jurassic Park too, guys. Yeah.
2: I did. I did. It was crazy when I was uh I was like 16 or 17 and uh over the summer, I think this was right around the time The Lost World came out. Um uh-huh. this was a totally unaffiliated traveling animatronic dinosaur exhibit that somebody put together.
0: Yeah, they have so, that today. Oh like, yeah, we went last year. We went, we went to, this year. Yeah, but what there's a traveling animatronic dinosaur touring thing. Yeah. Jurassic Quest. Jurassic Quest.
1: That you went to? No shit. This year. year.
0: Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> we and, they turned, I, and
1: because of COVID, they turned it into a drive-through event at the uh, at the, the Rose Bowl.
0: Yeah, in the parking lots.
1: I
2: wonder if that's what I worked at, like back in the day, like if it was the same company or something. I do too.
1: Not, these, these dinosaurs have definitely seen better days. See, oh, mm-hmm.
0: one of them looks like the um, what is it, Dino from Flintstones, and I was like, wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a good shake yeah. but poor dino yeah it's some crazy crazy stuff
1: so you yeah know, you don't know what company you don't remember exactly what company you were at
2: no i don't i don't it was uh yeah it was at the mall so it was right across from like an au bon pain and uh <laughs> so you could get yourself a uh yeah get yourself a nice danish or something uh-huh. and a coffee and then go pay five dollars to go uh, do this like kind of like circuit through like what used to be a Lane Bryant, I think, and look at animatronic dinosaurs. So I got to be the cool kid working at the mall and going to the ar- the the one dying arcade after work, or going yeah. to like play hacky sack on the loading dock. Uh, oh, that cool know. kid! Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was pretty cool. Like you know, I had like the I had like the tie dye bucket hat and everything, and like oh, wow. you know the hemp necklaces and you know.
0: So you okay? But let's back up for a second. So you made a film while you were still back east and you were young. When did you in school? Because you you have a real job at um, you're a leading complaint investigator for a uh, geno genomics company. Why did uh-huh. I say that weird? I don't know did I say that word. It's Gino's animics. <laughs> <laughs> Gabagol, listen. But at some point, you decided also that, the, I mean, you're very animated. You love the arts. Like You bring a different voice to it, which is amazing and, and beautiful and, and needed. So you're definitely in the genre, but you love um, writing and you have such passion for it. So at what point did you say... <clears throat> I'm gonna get a real job, and then I'm gonna do this stuff on the side. Versus, oh. how did that? How did that end up going for
2: you? Well, I I got into in, into genomics strictly because I wanted to fucking make ninja turtles. So yeah, sure. That sounds you, like know, you know like danger. like one definitely follows the other, but um. No, I mean, it's one of those things where I've always I've always loved writing, even as a kid. Um, yeah. I got in a lot of trouble in third grade because me and my friends kept writing these uh, these stories about us being attacked by monsters. And we got in trouble because we kept killing each other off in our stories. And Our teacher got really mad at us. <laughs>
0: this is happening to my son right now in first grade. What? Oh, I want to show you crazy. some of his drawings to his comic books.
2: Yeah. It's oh, like awesome.
0: pumpkins with blood coming out of them.
2: That's amazing.
0: Yeah, he's pretty yeah. cool. His teacher is telling him like, "You can't say that stuff," and I'm like, "And eh, that's censorship."
2: Yep. Don't <laughs> let the man keep you down, Jack. Yep, exactly, exactly. Uh. <laughs> okay,
0: keep going. It's this funny, is the but, Brian oh, show. Yeah. Though. So
2: anyway, I always, I, I always loved stories. I love comics. I love movies. I love books. I always wanted to write, and I, you know, I, I majored in English in college, and then getting out of college, I, I'm like, okay, well. I need a real, a quote unquote, real job, right? I Mm -hmm. need to pay the fucking bills. And, uh, you know, when I moved to California, I didn't do it as going like, oh, I'm going to make it big in Hollywood. I was like, that's not realistic. I'm going to move to California so I can live at the beach and be a burnout. And that's (laughs) going to be awesome. And, uh, so I did that for a couple of years, but I also kind of like, I like money. And so I got like, you know, a big boy job at the same time and kind of started working my way up. Um, you know and just kind of like hey weekends are for partying and uh weekdays are for uh hustling and making that money you know yeah um and You're so a living did, mullet yeah exactly
1: <laughs> so Your i did plus. pretty well
2: i did pretty well to, uh with the company i work for and uh <laughs> uh but i don't know like uh about you know 2015 or so uh 2016 i was like you know what this is cool and all, but I'm not writing. I'm not creating anything, and I'm going to work for the rest of my life uh, for this company. I'm, I'm going to do really well. I'm going to have a very comfortable life. I'm going to have the house I want. Yada yada, whatever. Um, you know, but no one's going to remember me when I'm gone. Mm. And that's what really kind of motivated me to get back into not. Like to to take writing more seriously Mm -hmm. and take creating things more seriously and get my get my work out in the world, you know. I actually
0: think Brian's onto something here. Clearly, like I I honestly believe. Well, I always say now that people shouldn't go to school for theater, like get it as a minor. Oh my God, go to, you sound
1: like my mother. No, but
0: get it as a minor. No, you have to You have to do the art. You have to take classes. So get it as a minor or or on the side. But you should be taking marketing classes and taking classes that are going to guarantee you work and be able to launch yourself when your career does start to happen. Like know right. how to treat it as a business, not an art. Right. I, I, and I'm thinking that that's kind of what you've done this whole time is you've sort of created your art, treated your art as a business. Like you've done very well, you know? Yeah. Thank
2: you. Yeah, abso- that absolutely. That's, that, that's, that actually is how I look at it. I think the business aspect is underrated. I think uh, like yeah. artists in general, like kind of like get a little, uh, get a little prickly. Yes. Uh, whenever someone brings up business, brings up money, things like that. But I'm like, brings up at how the, much they. Suck. The day, you know, like you want your art to get in front of people. Right. And so you have to, you have to manage that. Right. Um, even if you're like, Oh, I don't give a fuck about money, blah, blah, blah. Well, okay. take the money equation out of it. Um, and money is just a proxy for people looking at your thing. Right. So, and you want people to look at your thing. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I, like, I, 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 For me, this was the right path because when I was in my early 20s, you know, like I got out here and I was like, oh, I I really want to be a writer. And I'm like, well, how do there's no way to make money at that right now. So I like and at the same time, though, I felt like when I started more seriously, like in my mid 30s, I had way more to say because I had so much more experience.
0: I I Perspective,
2: not to say that you can't write the great American novel at 21 or something. And I know people who are in their like kind of mid 20s who are putting out amazing work. but. I think for most of us, like the sweet spot for writing, say, a novel is like thirty-five to forty, um, to uh, to really start with a successful one. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What they tell you with screenplays is your first ten are going to be garbage, and yeah. you know you got to get them. You just got to get them out of the way. Now that may very well be true, but I think a lot of that is when you start. If you start in your twenties and you write ten screenplays you're probably going to be around your mid thirties when you write that good one, (laughs) when you get to number 11 and they start getting good. exactly. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. I I, I've always thought that's like a useful kind of like rule of thumb rather than an ironclad (laughs) law. Um, You know, like I, they say the same thing when it comes to prose too, that your first, you know, write 10 novels and then throw them out and then start over, you know, and that, and that 11th one is going to be the novel that like, is quote unquote worth reading. I don't think that's always true. I think everything's a learning experience. And that, you know, some people can write that very first novel they've ever written. And it's great. Um, but you know, what, what that advice is, it's really just a, it really just means practice, 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 you know, right. Right. and that's, that's what it really means. So right,
0: they always say it's an overnight success. I mean, in in the in Hollywood, People think that um, all of a sudden there's this new person on the scene and they're like, overnight success. And it's like, oh, no, they've already written 10 screenplays or they've already done 20 years of theater or classes and web series and free shit. And like, you know, no, nobody just it's nobody's really an overnight success. Oh, that's not true. There are TikTokers that are overnight successes. I guess, but that's a different thing. That's content. We're talking about. We're not talking content. We're actually talking art, and you know, the the stuff that you really put a lot of work behind. Not to diminish anybody on TikTok. Oh my God.
2: Right. I I completely agree. The uh, the the overnight success thing is just so reductive, and uh, what it really means is that person, the person saying, "Oh, they're an overnight success." It just means, "Oh, I haven't heard of them before."
0: Right, yeah. You know, that's yes, all
2: but, that it means. <laughs> but,
1: well, but it's also a marketing ploy because yeah. celebrity is a fantasy yeah. and success yeah. is a fantasy that is sold. Yeah. And when you tell people that somebody is an overnight success, you plant in your viewer, in your audience's mind, the idea that that is possible, that I could achieve greatness with without having to work for a long time or without having to work very hard, which I haven't done, so therefore, it's possible that I could achieve this. Right. That, that, right. That their success is within my grasp yeah. because it can happen overnight. Yeah. Yep. Well,
0: speaking of overnight success, I want to talk about one of Brian's other jobs. Um, I don't know if it was Brian who told this.
1: I still want to it talk about be. being paid to show my thing.
0: Okay. First, let me talk. <laughs> hang on. Or if it was like Todd Goldberg who may have brought this up. But I want to talk about TGI Fridays. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> Speaking of overnight
0: successes, because Speaking I believe about showing your thing. Yes, I believe TGI Friday started as a singles mingling restaurant yep. bar. Am I am I remembering this
2: correctly? Yeah, in 1969 in New York, it started as a as a as a hot happening singles spot. Huh. So what the fuck happened, right? What the
0: fuck? Yeah. It's a family <laughs> restaurant, people, and like the owner built it know. no, the owner built it to like meet women or something like
2: that something. sounds about right. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, this I, is true. Which, is, which is honestly, that's why guys open bars to begin with. like I let's mean, get sure. it
0: oh yeah, naturally. naturally. that's why chips open bars I'm They're, sure too. I mean,
2: that's why anyone does anything to be honest with you. We're all <laughs> motivated by mating.
0: <laughs> I mean, I only do this podcast because I want my husband to think I'm still smart
1: and witty. It's working. <laughs> motivated by mating by the way that is the name of the next podcast (laughs) motivated
0: by mating that is so good i'm writing it down motivated by mating no but seriously all right did you work at tgi fridays out here because i
2: know Uh, no back in virginia i work i I worked there uh the summer of 2000 okay (laughs) or 2001 no the summer of 2001 so uh right right before 9-11
0: oh jesus oh my god okay
2: yeah were you still there on 9-11 i was yeah Yeah, i I wasn't at the restaurant though i was uh, across the street at logan's roadhouse uh during 9-11
0: oh
1: my god yeah we were drinking
0: i was supposed to i i was working the auto shows during 9-11 and i was supposed to be moving to california and i had had um i'd had an interview with nbc at rockefeller center in new york two months prior or a month prior something just a little while before and i gotten the second interview so i was really excited to go I Was figuring it out how i was going to manage and find a place to live in new york with zero dollars in my bank account um but i got the, i booked the auto shows so that would make me some money because i would travel on days that weekends i wasn't working and 9-11 happened and i was like well my mom's like you're not going to new york and i was like, I'm not going to new york and then auto show people call and they're like you're not going on a show and i'm like oh i'm not going on a show it was really i mean that was the least of the world's problems yeah, jamie like, had
1: a real right. bad year that year for now <laughs>
0: listen, listen I'm a, no i'm aware but like it just shut everybody's like you had to my point in saying it is like you it was a, pivotal moment of like being 21 22 and like all of a sudden the world you just grad you're graduating and the world is shutting down because this thing happened and it's like you're reinventing yourself in your mind going wow this could be it this could be it i became an adult i went to college and now the world is going to die right that's kind of happening again now yes i know yeah yeah
1: yeah but yeah. if there's anything that 9/11 can, you know, teach the, the 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 kids today is that life does go on and it is shifted and altered from the trajectories that we were on before, but it does continue.
0: Yeah. So yeah. you were working at TGI Fridays. you were living in Virginia. You're probably were you in college? Then I would assume you're in beginning yeah. of college.
2: I w- I was in college. It was my <clears throat> I think my junior year of college yeah. or so. Okay. So I was working my way through college working at TGI Fridays and uh, I I, I only worked there for about four months, Um, but I, you know, I I get the job and, uh, you know, my second or third day, the general manager literally calls me into her her office and goes, "Uh, you're going to need to wear more flair. Oh my
0: God, no. I thought that was made up in office space. Oh my God.
2: And and like, she pulled out a Ziploc bag full of flair and like pulled out like four buttons and was like, here, put these on.
0: So for kids who are listening that are under the age of office space and have never watched the cult classic office space, flare are buttons that go on the suspenders and shirts of the waitresses and the bus boys and all the people who work at TGI for
1: high yeah. essentially. Yeah, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's uh,
2: it's externalized
1: enthusiasm.
2: <laughs> yep yeah and they all say things like oh I'm not in Kansas anymore or something like that you know and uh wow. <laughs> I love the idea
1: that you're you know that she pulls out a ziploc bag of used flare like that she you know I, I imagine like gathered from corpses <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> The thing is the thing is i listen I know Brian. You guys know him as this outgoing person on this podcast right now, but I can't imagine Brian interacting with people at tables, wearing a bunch of buttons and going, how can I serve you tonight? You hey, know, would like... you
2: like some extreme fajitas? <laughs> it's just not, it's just not. My favorite's the mudslide.
0: Oh, the po- loaded potatoes, loaded potato, oh, oh, skin. yeah, the potato skins. Oh, I dated a boy from New York and he works here in Hollywood. He is, um,
1: it's me. No, it's no. not you. Yeah. He, was, he, No, he's a Long
0: Island guy. He's in craft service. He runs a craft service truck. And um, he, on the weekends, always wanted to go to TGI Fridays because I think that's like a New York, Long Island thing, like, you know, chain restaurants. Who's always like, yeah. claim jumper or TGI Fridays. And I was like, I yep. can't be in this relationship. <laughs> this isn't going to work for me. Yeah. Um,
1: it was I'm a lot. I'm breaking up with you. That's pretty much how it went. It's sad. Oh I'd like God. to, I'd like, you know what? I, can you, do you have like a TGI Friday story or like 10 that you can just dump on me real quick? Oh my
2: God. There's so many. Well, uh, God. Okay. So I'm sure it's been a couple of years since I've actually even thought about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, uh, so I, I did, dig, get, I, I did get fired from there for, uh, sleeping through my shift two weeks, <gasps> two weekends in a row. Were you at the um, restaurant when sleeping? you slept through
1: your shift? No, I in was in my
2: house. Okay. But they were, uh...
0: <laughs> All I can say is from my days at Pasquale's, I worked at Pasquale's as a hostess. I was not good at waiting tables. They were like, we're just going to keep you in the hostess stand. And I was like, yeah. oh, good.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. Carrying menus is more your speed, right? <laughs> yeah. They were
0: like, here's a." Tr- I was very, listen, I was in college. I was home for the summer. They were so generous to give me a job. When most of the people that worked there were, you know, full time year round, but like they gave me one tray with eight waters on it, and the whole tray just went over. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, "Keep you on the hostess stand." It was very sweet of them. Um, it was probably because I was a very young-looking, cute blonde girl, you know. So they were like, they tip me, they all give me tips, and I was like. I you don't have to like I'm just working the hostess stand, but everybody like gave, would always give me a tip and stuff. It's really sweet. Everybody was nice. So Aww. I don't really have like I didn't work at a chain restaurant. Oh I did. Oh, how could I forget that?
1: You were at the McDonald's.
0: Yeah, but that's not, is that a restaurant?
1: Technically. Technically, it's technically, a restaurant. No, yeah. I
0: worked at what the blues? people eat it. I worked here at um the blues. The house um, of blues. The house of blues. No, BB, oh. no, um BB King's. BB King's House of Blues. Not House of Blues, just BB Kings. Just BB Kings, whatever. At Universal City Walk, and I had gone to bartending classes, so I had applied for a bartending gig there, and they were like, "Well, we start everybody off at the hostess stand," and I was like, "Okay," (laughs) and I said, "That's fine." We call
2: that the (laughs) Widowmaker.
0: Uh huh. And I was like, "But I, I am an actor." They're like, "You and everybody else." And I was like, "Right." So, um, whatever hours, whatever. I booked a film shooting in Chicago and Detroit. So I told them and I gave them two weeks notice of it. And they said I'd have a job when I came back. When I left, they called me. They knew I'd be in Detroit and Chicago and left me a message that I was fired.
2: That's such a fucking dick move. It's such like, I mean, what are you
1: breaking Uh. up with me? Yeah. Did they? Could they text? No, I'm you? breaking up with you.
0: Yeah, and I, I called back and I was like, well, "You said my job would be there when I got back," and she's like, "I just don't like you very much." Like this girl just did not like me very much, and she said, "I just don't like you very much," and I was like, "Well, I think you're kind of a bitch." And she's like, well, that's why I don't like you, because I know that you think that. And I was like, okay, fine. And that was it. (laughs) It was really super straightforward. (laughs) And I respect her for that. Like, you're right. I don't like you very much. Can we talk about the story where he had a stalker at work who was trying to get him fired? You might not be able to tell that story. A stalker? I had a
2: stalker at work. Not
0: stalking, but you were going to get a private eye to investigate her because this girl is like trying to get you fired. (laughs)
2: Is this a (laughs) Geno's Is it Geno's Matt, it's funny because there have been so many people who have tried to get me fired over the years that I couldn't remember who you were talking about. That's amazing. That's amazing. (laughs) And I'm still here, bitches.
1: (laughs) Uh, Let's take a quick break. Let's get back to the show.
2: Yeah, I actually had had someone the other day who emailed like in in like a mass email. They had like spelled my name wrong because um, people frequently like will spell my name as Brain, not Brian, because it's really easy to fat finger. Yeah, you know. Right. And I so my so, emails,
1: Jay's no. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> this this person emails me back like privately and was just like, "Hey, I'm so sorry for getting your name wrong." And I just saw that and thought to myself, "Well, now are you going to apologize for trying to get me fired a year and a half ago?" <laughs>
0: Oh, my God, what is wrong with people?
2: Yeah, I've had I've had multiple incidents in the last couple of years, like over my career, but just the last couple of years where like, I don't I guess I have a punchable face or something. But, uh, you know, I, I had one I had one person who like, like straight up fabricated all these allegations and went to my manager with them, um, like just like severe ethics violations that would uh-huh. have gotten me not only fired, but debarred um, by the FDA. Wow. Um, and, uh, uh you know, basically, and they were all bullshit. And I had, I had all the receipts right. and, uh, you know, so my Andrew just kind of like laughed it off. He was like, well, I don't know what her deal is, but she does not like you. And I'm like,
1: Ha-ha. so, so, so three rapid fire questions. One, were there any penalties for her? Because obviously that is an ethics violation. Two, debarred. Did you okay. have to pass the bar for the FDA? And three. What credentials, like what are you doing that the FDA is governing your specific work? Oh, okay. So, They're those 10. are all
2: good questions. So, uh, no, one, there were no repercussions for her whatsoever. Um, there, there, maybe there could have been if I had forced the issue, but it was enough to have her look ridiculous to everyone who mattered. Yeah. Um, so as far as yeah, so as far as debarment goes, the 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 field I work in is uh, it's a the medical device field, mm-hmm. and so that's regulated by the FDA. And so okay. what, so essentially they maintain a debarment list of people who are not legally allowed to work within the medical device field anymore because they done fucked up so bad. Got it um, so it's actually they maintain a list on the fda website of like people who've had these like ethical violations um a lot of it is you know some some random guy starts fucking selling pacemakers out of his garage and then the fda is like hey by the way you have to submit a whole bunch of paperwork to us about that and he's like no and you know and it kind of goes from there but it's a lot of like a lot of time it's like kind of black market stuff going on um wow but would you say
0: yeah. it's on the dark web can i go uh, to the dark web and find this let's
1: put it this way if you're buying Maybe, yeah. medical stuff off the dark web or selling it on the dark web you probably should be disbarred
0: let me put it this way jason's dad yeah. owned owned a medical device company yes
1: really uh-huh yeah yeah The the now defunct lunoscope corporation uh, okay uh, I w- yeah but yeah, you know, we, lunascope we, what
2: what did, what did he make we went
1: up against uh if you know like omron or uh uh that, that was the big competitor but yeah they, they would make they made stethoscopes and like pain okay. equipment tens machines massagers a lot of things that could be confused with masturbatory devices yeah <laughs> there's right. a
2: there's a fine line between getting well and getting off
0: okay so th- do the answer all
1: three or do the answer two? I don't understand what genomics is, and I want you to explain. Yeah, explain it to what okay. genomics. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. So the company I work for does uh DNA sequencing. Um so essentially we we make uh we build machines that read DNA. We have about 90% of the worldwide DNA sequencing market. Oh, so wow. um whenever you hear about DNA testing being done, mm-hmm. um, it's frequently done on our equipment. Um,
0: so you're a lead complaint investigator. What does like you're like the PI of these machines like someone's yep. like this isn't what are some is com-
1: com- What are some complaints you get?
2: Can,
0: can you even talk about that? Like so what- that
2: would all be confidential, but I yeah. you know, I, I can say essentially whenever whenever there are issues with our our machines in the field, um, you know, we well, we have our we have our tech support group that deals directly with the customers yeah. and mm-hmm. you know just resolves the issues, but then they es- like when there's a trend of stuff going on, they'll yeah. escalate it to our group. And so our group will pull together a group of people to kind of figure out what's going on and uh, kind of you know shore things up. I mean, these are uh, these are super complex cutting edge instruments. Yeah. Um, and so basically, you know, like, and our customers like to push performance um, and do different applications and stuff. So it's, you know, stuff happens sometimes, basically. So what um, I
0: want listeners to understand is this is a guy with a degree in English that came out to be a beach bum, got a job with a massive corporation in the field of science and biology. Mm -hmm. and uh this is where we're at and he sells books on the side
1: what i want people to take away from this (laughs) is that when he was 16 he worked in an offshoot company that was mimicking a movie that was based in the idea of genetic splicing only to find himself full circle circle. now troubleshooting when, when genetics go wrong Yep. Yeah. When genetic equipment goes wrong. So you really can't get away from this field. You can't.
0: And and it, it explains a lot about you.
2: Yeah. You, you to... could say, you could say it's kind of baked into my DNA. Oh, I...
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know you're not for liberty to discuss any specifics, but how close are we to bring you back the dinosaurs?
2: Ooh, uh, not close at all. Damn it. So wo- woolly, woolly mammoths are possible, right? Wow. Um, but uh, actually, like, I mean, we could probably, okay, so we're we're not that far off from creating synthetic animals that could mimic certain characteristics of dinosaurs, but as far as actually resurrecting like a triceratops or something like that, um, that's not really possible because DNA degrades over time. Um, mm-hmm. So like, you know, when you look, you know, with Jurassic Park or something like that, like, you know, there's not 65 million year old DNA flowing around anywhere.
1: Right. It's not actually DNA. It's, you know, there's 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 stuff, but there's no DNA. There's no living DNA. Is that the way you would describe it?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, it's, yeah, just nothing that we could use to to, to recreate a dinosaur, basically. And, you know, the, the reason why they, that we think uh, bringing back woolly mammoths is possible is because elephants are closely related enough mm-hmm. that we could, you know, genetically engineer an embryo and then implant it into like a living elephant's uh, uterus. Weren't right.
1: they going to do that with the frogs in Jurassic Park? Just put the, the DNA in a frog's butt or something?
2: Yeah, something like that. I don't, yeah, I don't. There was a frog's butt. I, I sure. can't remember the exact, like, kind of, oh, oh with the blickety-blown and then the blah, 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 mm-hmm. you know? Okay. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I just really want to create, like, anything, whether it's a dinosaur or a woolly mammoth or whatever, that spits acid. That's what I really want to do yeah. with my career. So. yeah. That's we, that's kind of my goal.
1: We did learn on our Jurassic Quest ride that mm-hmm. uh, that that's not real. Yeah. Oh, the spitting acid the, thing. That 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 specific animal, that specific dinosaur, did not spit acid.
0: Yeah. Well, but who knows? That specific
1: it? one didn't, but. Other ones it.
0: may. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um,
2: yeah. I mean, we haven't even found all the dinosaurs yet. There's shitloads of dinosaurs that we have no idea that they existed.
0: How does your company feel about your side hustle as a writer? Mm. I'm calling at the side hustle right now because you're really invested and entrenched in this company. And would you ever leave and do, you know, horror script writing full time at this point or, or novel writing full time? Are you getting to the point where you ever think, oh, you know what? I'm making a sufficient income and I could pursue this full time.
2: Ooh, uh, those are good questions. So, uh, to your first question, uh, no, my company isn't actually aware that I do any of this. And I probably shouldn't be having this conversation right now. Got it. Uh, no, just kidding. No, it's it, no, I've, I've literally like had had like my books up at my cubicle and yeah. people have bought books for me and things like nice. that. Um, nice. they, my company gave me three month a three month sabbatical so that I could work on a particular novel that I wanted to work on. Oh, that's
1: great. Um, yeah. so
2: yeah, it's, Yeah, they've been super awesome and supportive, and uh, you know, with the uh, the educational benefits that helped me uh, get my MFA from UCR Palm Desert. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. So yeah, it's it's and it's great. It's it's nice to be able to man just have two completely different things that I'm working on. Um, They it really helps me shift gears sometimes. You know, so having a day job that's kind of more. A little more technical and like a little more just kind of like science communication mm-hmm. and then going home and getting to like just kind of let loose with my imagination basically um yeah I don't know it's just two different kinds of brain power involved so mm-hmm. it certainly helps um as far as whether I'd ever go full-time with writing it's maybe um how many do we, dollars
1: how much do you need to do we need to pay you <laughs> it's it's not it's not really Geno's.
2: In, okay so it's not it's not really a it's honestly not really a money thing yeah um for me it's more of a uh you know it, it's it's more just like a motivation thing yeah. um so i find i find working a day job to be very uh to be very motivating for my writing I agree. um you know it it energizes me in a certain way and yeah. so i i just worry that i, I if i went full time with writing like day one of being a full-time writer i'd like sit down and go okay I'm yeah. out of ideas. Oh, fuck.
1: And I'm yeah. supposed to be in my cubicle right now. Yeah, yeah,
2: I- exactly. Although, I mean, I did take that three month sabbatical and was able to treat writing like a job then. So I don't know. I think I could do it. But I don't know. Honestly, even if I quit my current job and tried to go full time with writing, I'd probably pick up like 20 hours a week at like, I don't know, like Trader Joe's or something. Just to have somewhere to go yeah. to get me out of the house and do something different. Get a
0: different. kid.
1: <laughs> good, good. Good, good. Good, good. Aisle four,
0: next to charlie the mirror.
1: i want to ask you this um when you're what like from from any of your jobs or all of your jobs are there any that you find the work you're doing outside of writing is finding its way into your writing? yeah oh that's
2: a that that's a good question um in, Thanks. Yes. So yes. 100% <laughs> yes. Uh I've I you know I've I've written scenes of characters working in chain restaurants like TGI Fridays. Uh. Um I'm trying to think I think I had like a, a tossed off line once about a character working at a dinosaur exhibit actually. <laughs> um you know so i brought in stuff like that. I actually had a uh okay this is one thing I probably shouldn't talk about but I'm going to anyway. Yeah. But um A number of years ago, I had a I I had a a really horrifically bad manager. I'm not gonna say what job it was at, Um, but uh, this this uh, this I actually filed harassment charges against her um, because she was that bad. Like she did, uh, she trapped me in a conference room once (laughs) and wouldn't let me leave, which is textbook harassment. And then admitted to it. Sexual harassment. No, it was physical. It was like more like threatening,
1: like physical threatening. Yeah. Wow. Okay.
2: Yeah, so she was uh, a fairly, I I don't know, I I probably shouldn't say too much about her specifically, but um, she did inspire a character in a book I wrote. Um, (laughs) I mean, how could she not? Yeah, this is a a trunk novel. It's like the very first one I wrote, so I don't think it'll ever see the light of day. But there was a a character based on her in the book that I, I just kind of like really, really, really let her have it with it. I turned her into this like, nefarious, but like nefarious person with like the mind of like Ralph Wiggum, basically. Um, you know, it's like, just like just every single sense. it's like, this is the dumbest fucking person on the face face of the planet, like, you know, and then they, uh, they get off in the book. Um, so yeah, I've definitely brought some specific things from my jobs into my work. Um, one thing that's kind of always been on my mind is just really cynically leveraging my job um, by writing a techno thriller, um, Mm. you know, because they're from a a marketing aspect, you know, there's a huge marketing tie-in aspect of me working in genomics. And so I I don't know, that's kind of on my list of, you know, potential projects in the future as well.
1: When you decide to go full-blown Michael Crichton. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Because, you know, it's like, I do have kind of like my agent and I have talked about this, how, you know, I kind of do have a a credential um, that could be that she could use to like, you know, entice publishing companies. Mm-hmm. So
0: so you went up to the Pacific Northwest where we know all horror happens, all horror happens, all serial killers are there. So it makes sense yep. to film there. So tell us a little bit about that and how much you enjoyed it. And is this a pursuit that you're, you know, if you become a full time horror film producer, you're going to have to leave your job
1: but you tell me but that would be another job exactly
2: but then writing but then writing prose would be my 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 side it would still be your side yeah that could work yeah um yeah this was kind of interesting how this one came about so i actually have uh three two short films and one feature in production right now or production or post-production right now
0: that's what Um, I i felt like i was like this can't all be the same thing what's happening
2: yeah, so it's kind of I don't talk a lot about the stuff right now on social media. So yeah. like a lot of people are kind of reading the tea leaves of like, like pictures I've posted or stuff I've said. But um, I have essentially three different projects I'm working on right now. Um, i so proud so of you. you. Thank I'm you. So uh, one of them is actually shooting right now as we speak in in Oregon um I've been doing a lot of stuff in Oregon just because there's a really cool film scene there and uh there's a lot of very 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 talented people um who are also but they also have a very DIY punk rock ethic so it's it's cool just getting a bunch of people together and like oh let's just get the shit done and they're very inventive and budget conscious Uh,
0: gorilla shoots
2: Mm -hmm.
0: that's big yeah big up there gorilla shoots
2: yeah. So um, yeah. So the three projects. So the the first one I'm I'm working on. I'm just an executive producer on it, and uh, also have a small role in it. Uh, but it is it was written and directed by John Skip, um, who uh, hit the New York Times bestseller list back in the '80s with uh, A Light at the End, nice. and he has been kind of a pretty big icon within the horror world. He had a a couple of recent things he's done. He wrote an episode of Creep Show. Uh, in the the first season. And he had a segment in Tales of Halloween, nice. uh, the anthology film. So I know him because I actually was taking writing classes with him a couple years ago. And uh, we became friends. And so he was talking about this film that he wants to make. Um, and I was like, Okay, well, I'm kind of doing some film stuff right now. Um, let's let's make this short film version of it and then try and use that to attract additional investment. Yeah. So it's it's pretty cool. I think it's going to be hitting the film festival circuit next year, but it's essentially uh, about some scary things happening in a karaoke bar, and it's mm-hmm. super fun because Skip Great. wrote all these original songs for it. That wow. are, they all sound like actual karaoke songs. Yeah, <laughs> like there's one kind of like there's a very like John Mellencampy one that's like a, a perfect John Mellencamp. Um, there's kind of like a, a like a alt country type deal. Like there's a bunch of different stuff. That's um, great. like a wide range. I'm like singing a reggae song
1: in it. Uh, I just love that you've got, you're able to do the entire thing rights-free.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that was smart.
1: It was, it, it's really impressive. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um. It It opens with like a montage of all these people singing different karaoke songs and it's super fun.
0: <laughs> God, I just, I'm so claustrophobic. I'm just like worried that they're all going to be stuck there having to sing. And if I got stuck in a karaoke bar having to sing the rest of my life just to get out of everything, I can't sing. <laughs> yeah i just got i just went my own direction with it um okay and then
2: <laughs> yeah and then, have,
0: and then you're working on two others that Two you're others, producing? yes
2: yeah so the other short film is an adaptation of a comic book uh that i did in uh tales of Horrorgasm number five mm-hmm. it's kind of like a like a bendy in the ink machine type thing it's like a like a lost animated film from the 30s and uh spooky things happen when you watch it so it's kind of like the ring so it's an s- animated It's half animated. Wow! Um, So there's a live action wraparound uh, with these two characters who find the find a clip from the animated film, and they're daring each other to watch it because it's supposed to be haunted. But then, um, for about four minutes or so of the film, it goes right into uh, the animated world. And so my friend, uh, my friend Dustin Mills did the animation, and he he did so he he was doing he does like 3D animation, but um he's so freaking good he was able to do a computer-generated animation that looks just like old like 20s 30s uh black and white cartoons
0: that's fantastic and now you're starting a third one
2: right and so then there's also a uh like a feature that's filming right now so essentially what happened there was uh I, I I I did I I had a small role in a movie called Mutant Vampires from the Planet Neptune, which mm-hmm. is coming out uh, I think next year. Uh, they should be announcing uh, that pretty soon. But uh, so I, I met some really cool people doing that, and the director of that was like, hey, um, I have this other like kind of like old school Vincent Price haunted house uh, type story that I'm uh, that we're doing. Um, do you want to kind of take a look at that script? So I was like, sure. So I end up coming on board that as executive producer and a co writer. Um, so, yeah. Um, and that is filming literally right now. Uh, it stars, among others, Eileen Dietz, who played Pazuzu in The Exorcist. That's crazy. So that's
0: so fun. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Ryan has a book out right now brand new book that you can order we're going to put the link up it is man fuck this house it is so good so we're going to send everybody
1: not to be confused with man fuck this house yeah
0: <laughs> well i imagine brian saying it and for me it's man fuck this house Am man, I saying it wrong?
2: fuck this house yeah there you go there it, yep. is. there it
0: is um brian you were awesome this was so great and i just love your uh point of view on on just about everything, you know. Um, I think that you've done everything right. And I agree. I feel like I need to go back to my corporate job just to be a better writer sometimes.
1: Thank you so much for <laughs> for joining us here today. Right. <laughs> Thank you both for having me. It was so much fun. She